We'll go right into the word. See what he has in store for us. <clears throat> Last time I was here, I preached on the subject of I need to get a cordis because I'll be running everywhere. We're talking private right now. <laughs> Let me get her to turn this on. Okay. You said I need a cordis because I'm going to be running everywhere. <laughs> I don't come to church to be still. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Ain't God good? Amen. Thank you, buddy. But the last time I was here, I preached on a message called Moved But Not Quickened. Right. Moved But Not Quickened. And that's where a lot of people have come in this hour. Because the word will move them. Yeah. As Jesus said, and I'll read the scripture again because I want to continue from that. But I want to go into not moved. As I looked at it the last time, not quickened. But I want to look at it moved beyond the past. Listen to the, the title, Moved Beyond the Past. You know why? Because there's so many people that's hung up in the past. Genesis 1, 1 through 3, if you have your Bibles, and then I'll read three verses, and then you can be seated, then I'll go to a couple more scriptures. <clears throat> Genesis 1, 1 through 3, very familiar scripture reading. <clears throat> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. The spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of the word as you're seated. We greet you in Jesus' name <clears throat> from Anderson, South Carolina today. Just think if God... As the Bible says, he moved upon the face. <clears throat> but what if God would have stayed in the past? Now we know by being what we've been preached to and taught for all these years and believing what the prophet of God has said, and even through science and history, that the world was in such a chaotic condition. But if God had not moved, but was so just settled on staying in the position that he was in, We're the ones that needed God. The earth is the one that needed God. We know it was in a chaotic condition. It was out of order. It was a mess. If we had been back there and looked at it, we'd have thought, wow, there'd be, there's no, no way there's any hope for it. But if God had been satisfied with that position that the world was in, it could have been this way for hundreds of years. We don't actually know the timeline. But yet if God would have said, you know what, you know, I'm just going to let it stay like that. What a position we'd be in today. But no, the Bible said he moved. So God, in moving upon the face of the waters and the deep, began to go beyond the past because he'd already spoke it. It came into existence, but he didn't like exactly what he's seen. He knew there was more to it than that because he's God. He knows all things. But yet he goes and begins to move upon it to bring that 
chaotic condition, that disorder condition, and bring it to a position of order that you and I would be able some point in life or someday live upon this place. I'm glad God did that, aren't you, today? In Matthew 21, I read these two, three verses last time I was here. Let me read them again. And the multitudes that went before, I just wanted to share that little bit in Genesis there with you, let you know which way I'm going. That, be, that went before and that followed, crying, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into the city of Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Not one, not two, not three, but the whole city, everybody. That means that there was Jews there in their religion, the Pharisees, the priests, and all of them, all of them was moved. Sinners was moved. So the presence of Jesus into the city moved every single person. But I'd love to know how many of those that moved beyond that I'd love to know how many that was in that city, the multitudes, out of that, 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 that number, how many that would go on and follow Jesus and move from the past. Because once Jesus came into the city, from that day and that moment forward was history. From that moment was past. Now there were some we know that moved beyond that. And when he had come into the city of Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Paul picks something up in Hebrews 6, 1, 3 and makes a statement, says, therefore leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on into, unto perfection, not laying again on the foundation of repentance from dead works and from the faith toward God, of the doctrines of baptism, laying upon the hands the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do. So it's human nature to some condition, to some point, it's human nature to stay in the past. Now I know in the natural realm, everybody's wanting this and uh, they, they're talking about this week, they're wanting the iPhone 14 out and they're already looking at the iPhone 15. Why? They're wanting to rush all that. But not, I'm not talking about that scale. I'm talking about why is it that human wants to stay in the past? We look way back, especially in the ranks of the message. That's all we want to do is stay back in the 40s and the 50s and the early 60s. We do not want to, so many people do not want to go beyond before that, after that. They want to stay under that very condition. Why? And Paul tells us, this we will do if God permit. In other words, we want to stay back here. Oh, but there's no rapture for that. Oh, there's no rapture for that. In this sermon, I want to say something to you. In John 7, 37, Jesus is here. Jesus makes a statement. I want you to notice this here now. As I believe Brother Branham come on the scene and I believe God allowed him to bring a message that would take us out of denominationalism. I believe it was a message that would take us out of the world, or out of the beer joints, the bar joints, wherever it was we was. I believe this message was to take us out. Not just to come to church and sit on a pew. Not just to come to church and say, I belong to such and such, or I belong to this, or I belong to that. I follow a message. I don't believe God did all of that just for that. I believe there was a greater purpose behind God allowing this to get me and you into another position. So notice this here. 
Jesus says, John says, John 7, 37, in the last days, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Verse 38, he that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. Now listen to these scriptures here. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive. In other words, it hadn't come yet. You mean to tell me Jesus was on the earth and there was something better coming? This ain't popular in message churches. Because when we get past preaching about brother, we get a step past preaching about brother Branham. Oh, we blasphemed. To me, that's where the problem lays. Brother Branham said, "Don't take him out of his position." Come on, Happy Valley, don't lock, don't lock down on me now. Don't make me call you pastor and tell him y'all locked down on me. Jesus is in this scene and he says, but this spake he of the spirit which they that believed on him should receive. So in other words, something was coming that was going to be greater than him in the flesh standing there. I mean, we know that Jesus was the greatest of the greatest. We understand that. But he still was trying to get us to understand there's something coming that's greater than what you see. This spake he of the spirit which they that believed on him should. Don't mean they all did. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus had not yet been glorified. So in other words, they had to move on from the position or the place that they were actually in at that present time. Then if that's the case with Jesus, how much more is it with this hour? Oh, but Brother Tim, I don't know. We can't move on no further than what Brother... I didn't say move on from what Brother Branham had. That he had. We understand that Brother Branham had it in a measure. Oh, I just blasphemed, didn't I? Brother Branham said himself he had it by measure. That's not me placing words in his mouth. He said it several times. Why? Because Brother Branham knew there was more to it than him standing in flesh. You've got to get flesh out of your mind. You've got to get the flesh of Jesus out of your mind. Why? When, when Jesus come, he spoke more of his resurrection. Why? He didn't want you to get hung up on the flesh. First pull come, second pull come, third pull come. Why? Brother Brown said all them was the attention to get the people in. Why? I have something to deliver that's greater than that first and the second pull. I want to get you in so you can hear what's coming that I'm able to get you to that. So all of those that was in the position of the place of that present time, Jesus was trying to tell them that there was something else coming and he didn't want them to miss what was coming. Brother Branham did not want us to stop with him. That's why we have to move beyond the past. We have to move beyond the past. Now notice Jesus said, he that believeth on me, speaking now we know of Christ. Revelation 10, 7, been in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. 
as he hath declared to his servants, the prophets. Verse 8, and the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again, now listen carefully, and said, go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went to the angel and said unto him, give me the little book. And he said unto me, take it, eat it up, and it shall be, it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hands and I ate it up and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, thou must prophesy again before many people's nation, tongues, and kings. Revelation 22, 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Why? Because the bride, the spirit of Christ is in the bride. So they have to say the same thing. The bride can't say something different than what the spirit of Christ is saying. They must say the same thing. The spirit and the bride saying, come. Let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a first come and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely now I want you to understand where I'm coming from today in the, in, in, in the scriptures there in John 7 in the Greek lexicon the word belly which is actually the womb which is where life comes from the belly the entire cavity of the upper and the stomach the lower belly of the distinguished the lower belly of the I'm just reading it all the, the, the receptacle of the, of the cream of the gullet to be given to the pleasures of the palate the gut and lead the womb the place where the fetus is conceived and nourished until birth in other words there's something that comes from that that's greater notice nourished unto birth the, the, uh, uh, the innermost part of a man the soul the heart of the seat of thought feeling and choice now, if you watch this scripture, Jesus was asking him to come. Whosoever that believeth on me, let him come. If he is a thirst, let him come. Listen again. Let me say, let me, let me look at it it's right here. Watch, watch him very carefully. The word river there is to drink figuratively to receive into the soul that serves to refresh, strengthen, nourish unto eternal life. The word living there is to be alive, to be quickened, uh, to breathe among the living, not lifeless, not dead. We need to preach that in all the other churches, don't we? To enjoy real life, to have rule life worthy of the name, active, blessed, endless in the kingdom of God, in the manner of living and acting of morals and character of living water, having vital power in itself, exerting the same upon the soul, to be in full vigor, to be fresh, to be stronger, to be efficient, to be active, to be powerful, to be moving. So the whole, the whole key to it is to be moving. Anything that's not moving is lifeless. So if Jesus was there in the multitude telling them there's something coming that's going to be greater than this. So he's pointing them to something. No wonder Brother Brown said I'm a signpost pointing to something. Why there's something else that was coming. So if the people of God would just look at it. And notice here. I believe according to the scriptures. I do believe with all my heart that the rapture is so close upon us. We've heard it for years and years and I understand that. But we are closer than we've ever been. I don't believe there's another 5, 10, 15, 20 years. I'm going to believe it's today. 
If tomorrow comes, I'll believe it's tomorrow. If Tuesday comes, I'll believe it's Tuesday. I don't have a date. I don't have a timeline. But I do believe it's close from what we see around that's taking place. Now, I want you to watch this here as we talk about this. And I want to nail something down for you. So the scripture must continue to be active. You can't have the scripture and it die out. It's got to continue. One of the life services my dad preached in the church that I pastor now is him that continueth in my word. So there's got to be an active continuing within the word of God. And Brother Brown tells us this, that, that he said, if the word didn't continue, then the word was, well, is not active, and it, which, is, it, which, is, which it has become dead. If the word doesn't continue, then that word is not active. So the word don't stop with Revelation 7. The word does not stop with Revelation 10, 7. Now that's not taking Brother Branham out of his position. But the word don't stop. Water that sets still gets stagnated. We know the word to be a type of water, the rivers of life. That's why it's rivers, why? Because rivers don't set, rivers run. If water sets long enough, it gets stagnated. This message is not stagnated. This word that we have is not stagnated. The message that Brother Branham brought to us is not stagnated. It's just moving on. It cannot stay or lag behind. Brother Branham said it must continue. Now I want you to notice in Revelation 22, 17. Revelation 22, 17 that I just read, the spirit and the bride saying come. That scripture, please don't take me out of context today. Please. Please. <laughs> don't take my life service in this building here out of context, please. Revelation twenty two seventeen has nothing to do with the prophet. Now, as far as bride, I understand he's in the bride. That's not what I'm talking about. So the total fulfillment, listen carefully. Hebrews 10 tells us those that are asleep in the ground, those that are there cannot be made perfect until. Scripture, that's not a quote, that's scripture. Right? Hebrews 10 says they cannot be made perfect until so who is who who is the scripture laying the fulfillment upon not brother Branham alone he's laying it within the body of Christ why because out of her bellies out of her womb she's able to bring life Within the body of Christ, she is the one that's flowing. Those that are born again, full of the Holy Ghost, she is the one that's bringing forth rivers of life. That's why it cannot be stagnated. That's why it cannot be still. That's why it constantly is a moving or an active word. So the total fulfillment of the word lays upon the body of Christ, the bride. Amen. 
So what has he done? Now look what he's done. God was bringing that little book that John talked about. And the Bible says John went up and took it and ate the book. So he now John's typing to the bride. We realize that. So he now brings the book back in on the earth as it was in the Garden of Eden. He's bringing the book back. Now, Brother Ram tells us that, that, oh my. I need you to understand. It has been transmitted to the bride to get her ready to leave. It's not my message. It's not William Brown's message. It's not Luther's message. It's not Wesley's message. It was God's message. But he takes humanity and brings his message upon the earth to get you and I ready. So it's transmitted to the bride to get her ready to leave. We don't have a message upon our own. I didn't come from Anderson this morning to give you a new message. I didn't come to give you a new revelation. Because I believe, and I know this church believes, if you don't, you need to, that the ministry of the bride is of the Holy Ghost. Notice, Brother Branham, and what is the Holy Ghost? He said, oh, well, you hear him say, well, I go to church. My mama belonged to this church. He said, oh, I have nothing against that, dear brother. He said, that's all right to belong to mama's church. He said, but listen, don't forget, mama walked in one light. You're walking in another light. Luther walked in one light. Wesley walked in another. Wesley walked in another light. Pentecostal walked one. Each one of them was progressing. Each one of them lived in the season and the time that God allotted them. And then the next one moved up and the next one moved up. Each one of them lived for the light that they lived in. They couldn't live and believe the message that you believe today. But neither could you live back there in the dark ages and give your life and sacrifice. Why? It wasn't God's time. Wesley walked in a light. Pentecost walked in another we're walking in a light. And if there's another generation, it'll go beyond this. Oh, I do believe I'm that other generation. So even Brother Branham is now telling us, if the, if the rapture don't come shortly and another generation comes upon the earth, then you will have to walk in a day in the light for your day. What light is that? The spirit and the bride are saying, come. Why? Because it's moved into another day. That's your prophet saying that, not me. If there's another generation, it will go beyond us. He added himself in that. So now Brother Branham realizes he's got to, if there's another one, they will have to move beyond what they had here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Why? Because Jesus said himself, those of the, the, that, that, that spirit, they should receive when it comes. Right. 
Why? He hadn't been delivered up yet. He hadn't been killed yet. There'd been no resurrection. No Holy Ghost was even on the earth. All they had was the fleshly man, Jesus. They knew him to be a Messiah. They knew him to be a great man of God. They knew him to be a prophet. They knew him to be all these great things, a healer and a way maker and deliverer. They knew him to be that. But what many of them couldn't realize, there was something greater coming than him. It was inside of him. But the only way to take it out was put him in the ground. And he knew when he raised, it would be a different one. So there's something to be, as, as we the bride, there's something that you and I have to move into instead of just staying there, God sent a prophet. I believe that. I know you go back sometimes and you talk to people and you tell people and you believe and they, you try to bring them to an understanding. But a church as seasoned as this and as seasoned as mine and as many of them, Brother Rons and Brother Tim's and the different ones, those churches are seasoned. You cannot come if you don't believe God sent a prophet this morning, you'll never believe it. You've been in it for 50 something years. Now, I know it's in God's time. I understand that 100%. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you got to understand. Brother Branham himself tried to get us there. Something coming that if another generation, and it did. That's been 50-some years ago now. Is that right? So there's something that I have to move into. Brother says back in the early days when the thing was wide, way wide, Luther taught justification of faith that just was just to bring the people from Catholicism into Protestantism, into the fellowship around the word. Justification by faith, that was a big, wide sphere. They never moved from that. So it brought them up, Brother Rob. And then Brother Ram says, you never moved from that. He said, there came, along came another revival called John Wesley. It shook them down from that. They brought down the justification, lived a good, clean, holy life, sanctified by the word of God. He said, those shook off the Lutheran doctrine. And he tells us from that justification into sanctification into the Pentecost and on down, that it shook them down to where we stand today. Oh, and my God, I go, I, I listen and I look and I watch and see what's taking place. And it seems like many have stopped. Many have come to the position where they've stopped. I told my church last Sunday, you do not want to stop. I don't know if people really understand it that if people don't, those that don't come up in the first resurrection, which is a part of the bride movement there, and those which are alive and remain, and those that are going by the way of the grave that's in the bride movement, and they begin to come forth from the graves. Do you realize, friends, those that don't make it in that rapture? Do you realize those that'll stay up on this earth? I don't think people realize what's coming. Oh, I'm just looking for the second or the resurrection. Many of them don't even believe and don't even understand the second resurrection. I'm just looking for the resurrection. We'll all come and the graves are bust open. Planes will fall, trains will derail, cars will do this. They have no understanding. 
You do not want to be left here when that tribulational period starts. If, you, if you're coming up in the second, generation, second resurrection where all of those that live not again for a thousand years when they come up, do you realize you must stand before an angry God? That's true. Judgment. Judgment. Can you, I don't even want to imagine hearing the words, depart from me, I never knew you. Where is these people supposed to get life from? Where are they supposed to get what they need? Out of you. You're that testimony. You're that witness. Out of your belly, out of your womb, you are the rivers of life. You are the ones that can give them life. Oh, but we come to the place where I don't know. I just, I just know. We just come when I don't know. I don't think I can do that. I really can't talk about it. I really don't know. Love I just don't know this. Show of Jesus. Amen. So each age stepped down or stepped up on higher understanding, higher, greater light to where we are actually at today. Notice again, what is the Holy Ghost? The Bible says, then along came Pentecost with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and narrowed it down again by receiving the Holy Ghost. He said, and now that's beginning to shake down. No wonder people thought that rapture was at hand when the seals were preached. Can you imagine standing in an audience listening to this man preach? The understanding that this man had. The, the revelation that God had broke open to him. Can you imagine sitting in a church this size and he's sitting, the prophet of God is on the pulpit breaking life. He's opening up a river of life and giving out the life of Jesus Christ. From Brother Branham's womb, from his belly, he's opened up and he's giving you something that you had no idea you needed. What a man. That's why Brother Bam can sit there and say, uh, greater than Solomon is here. Because now he done stepped in from this realm here and stepped into that in 1958 when he preached there. And he said, this is not, I look into the unseen California. He said, this is not William Branham. I have ceased to render his lips unto mine. Can you imagine standing there? He said, look, there he is. He said, look what Jesus is doing. He said, there, off the cot, out of the wheelchairs. Look at them that were sick and lame and crippled. Look at them now. Why? Showing that life was there. Brother Branham did not want you and I to stay in that position. He wanted us to move farther. He said, then along came Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and they narrowed it down again by receiving the Holy Ghost. That's right. Now that's beginning to shake down the gifts and the restoration of the Spirit of God has come in the fullness of signs and wonders into the church and has shook Pentecost. What is it? We're so close to the coming of the Lord until the very Spirit that's in Him is in the church. So now it comes from the prophet of God. We know He had it. We understand He had it in a measure. 
He said, but now he's so moving in the church, the fulfillment of the word. Now it's going to move in the church. They're the ones that's going to give life. They're the ones that's going to be that rivers of life. Out of them, out of their belly, out of their womb, it's going to flow. Oh, God. Friends, we're not coming to that. We're there now. He said, we're so close to the coming of the Lord Jesus until the very spirit that's in him is in the church. Doing the same things that he did when he was on earth. It's never been anywhere like this. Don't you see what we've had in our midst? Don't you see what he's been doing all the time is bringing the bride right back to her original position? Right to where she was in the garden there. We're actually going back further than the garden. What they had in the garden, they actually, Adam fell from what he had. Adam actually fell from what he had, but what you and I have, we've got to have greater than that. Somebody's got to get those people out of the grave. You and I play a part of that. I'm going to tell you, the world don't understand, church. What's sad is denomination of systems don't understand. I'm not talking about the people, the good people. They are great, good people. I'm not even talking, get that out of your mind. I'm talking about getting off of this earth. So now where do we go from here? There must be something left for the bride to perform. So where do we go from here? Listen to this quote. The Spirit of God has worked under justification under Luther. Sanctification under Wesley. Baptism of the Holy Ghost under Pentecost. See, there's were so many people in the message ranks miss it, I feel like. I know that you go in the message of the hour and you see Brother Brown talking about the three works of grace. I believe that. But I preached the message and called it the fourth work of grace. And got pretty much booted out of the message. You can ask Tim Mickle with me. He was with me. He's been with me for 22 years. Because I didn't terminology at three works of grace. Because Brother Branham used the terminology. When have we come to the spot where you cannot say nothing if Brother Branham didn't say it? When did we come to the spot... I preached a message on the nine, I think it was nine, if I'm not mistaken now. The different things that happened to, to, to Moses that he had to go through, or Abraham rather, that he had to go through. And Brother Brown never even preached upon that, a, a singular message upon that, and didn't say nothing really of it. And then he got pretty much booted again out because I preached something Brother Brown didn't really preach on. When did we come to this? That I can't preach the Bible. That's right. 
When did we come to the spot, and we want to know why we, they call me quacks? When I can't take a message out of this word here and preach, a message that comes straight from God's word. When did we come this far? You know why? Because nobody, but there's so many people don't want to move beyond the past. They want to stay under that. Well, I've been told if Brother Mom didn't say it, you shouldn't even say it. What do we do about all these scriptures and all these messages that's inside of this that we can't preach on? There's life inside of this. From the cover to cover, there's life. I told my church, even, even atheists and those that don't even believe in God, if they just read this, they're just, this right here just make you a better person in general. You may not have eternal life, but if you go by the words of this, it will make you a better person in general. So when did we throw this away? And I can't preach it no more because people don't want to move beyond the past. They want to stay in that. Why can't we have that in this? Notice Brother Brown, he said, he said, well, what I was getting to a while ago, I preached the fourth work of grace. I said, justification made way for sanctification. Sanctification made way for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, the, and, the, and, and, and Brother Brown made a statement. He said, the baptism of the Holy Ghost made way for the life himself. That's right. That's right. So that's one where I went to school, two and two's four. Where I went to school, I mean, I live in an old hick town called Iva, but we do believe two and two's four. Right. <laughs> justification made way for sanctification. Sanctification made for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Baptism of the Holy Ghost made way for the life giver himself. Is that four? Is that three or four? That's four up here in Johnson City too. So each one of those things made, one, made way for something that's greater. God don't go backwards. And this is the thing. So many people want to stay and go backward and look upon the past. I'm not saying we should never reminisce because I, I reminisce. I know right now y'all of y'all are probably reminiscing about leaving this place. I understand. I can imagine you've been here for all these years. You know, some of you have been here 50 something years, 40, 30, 20. I understand not coming through them doors anymore. I understand not seeing this anymore. I understand that it's bittersweet. But don't look at it as something that you're moving greater. So each one of them made way for something else. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is upon the flesh. That's not the soul. Because if it's the soul, Brother Tim, then how can Brother Ram say in power for transformation 1964, said it two different times. He said, how can you have the whole, if that's the case, how can you have the Holy Ghost and die and go to hell? Brother Ram said in 1964, power transformation, he said, you can have the whole baptism of the Holy Ghost on you all day long and die and go to hell. 24 hours a day, is exactly what he said. 
So that tells me it's not in the soul. That tells me there's another step. That tells me there's another stage. It tells me there's something greater. Who is it? The life himself. Why? That life gives you life. That you're able to bring life to someone else to be a light in a dark hour. That's what the church of the living God is supposed to be anyway. You're supposed to be for people that is in darkness that you can give them light. Well, I'll give you a quote book and I'll give you this. Now give them Jesus. Have you ever tried giving them Jesus? If you give them Jesus and they take Jesus, don't worry about it. God will get them the rest of it. If we don't move beyond the past, we're going to be stuck here, friends. Y'all know Brother Ram said the rapture should have done took place, don't you? Why? That means we should have been up the road further. So that means the life giver gets down in the depths of the soul. The fulfillment of that very word comes within the body of the bride of Christ inside of here, not out here. That in here is going to change all of this out here. He says the Spirit of God has worked under justification through Lucifer, sanctification through Wesley, the baptism of the Holy Ghost under Pentecost, and here it is in the last day performing and doing the same signs that it did when it was in Christ. What is it? The church in Christ has become one. And as they connect together that last link, she'll go through the skies shouting. Up will come Wesley. Up will come Luther. All the rest of them back in those days there. He that's first will be last. He that's last will be first. There'll come a resurrection. We're at the end. Listen to me now, he says. That's what the Holy Ghost does. The Holy Ghost by justification, just a light shadow of it. The Holy Ghost by sanctification, a little deeper shadow of it. The Holy Ghost by the baptism, a little deeper shadow. Now the Holy Ghost by fullness. In every believer. So he now brings you in to be partakers of this. It brings a restoration, forming signs and wonders like he did at the beginning. He, he must have got excited. He said, we glory to God. He said, go ahead and call me a holy roller anyhow. You might as well go ahead. See what the prophet's words are actually saying. He's telling us that back here is nothing but a reflection of the real person. We don't want it just to reflect. We understand we reflect that side. We understand we reflect up from there down here. We understand that. But we don't want to stay just a reflection. We've got to become the very image itself. We know that Brother Branham fulfilled the Messiah sign. You believe that? Don't miss, church. But that was only a reflection of what was coming. I believe the bride must go on beyond reflection. We put reflectors on our bikes. That reflector's not my bike. It's just to let you know I'm there. Oh, I could run now. It's just to let you know, hey, there's a reflector, there's somebody on a bike. We were... 
vest upon the jobs I do in hardest. Why? We wear orange and yellow. Why? We want it to reflect. I want somebody to see me, but I just don't want them to see me. I want them to get what I got. So somehow I've got to become into that image, not just a reflection. So we've got to move beyond the past to go into the image. So if someone must go beyond the past, then there's something other than a reflection. I don't want a shadow. I just don't want a shadow. Y'all see a shadow. You know it's me because you see me standing here. But the real me is standing here. I don't want a shadow of Jesus. I want the image. The very person himself. There can't, there can't be just a shadow. It's got to be an image. So the boy looked inside of the, the mirror and seen that, never seen it before. We all know the story. And the, the, he would move and the image would move and he would move and the image would move. And, and as he got closer, he got closer, he realized, it's me. That is something that is just partial of the real me. You see the shadow, but that's something partial of me. When I move, the shadow moves. But that's partiality. That's what so many people have done. We've got to have more than just the shadow. That's not good enough. You're not living back in Luther and Wesley's day. You're not living back in Pentecostal's day. You've got to have, you, you must be living to a place where it's now a blending together. It's now beginning to, to connect all the dots like it's never connected before. Don't take me wrong when I say this, but if you watch this thing very closely, you'll find out that we have a lot of our young people, I'm talking about in general, not at Happy Valley alone, I'm talking about in general. You find out that they're teaching all of our young people now to look back. Go pull up all these young people meetings. I'm not talking about the ones that y'all know of personally now. I'm talking about... Those from Jeffersonville. Not downing anybody. I didn't mean to say that. But look at the, the emphasis upon it is looking back, looking back. Teaching our young people to look back. That's the problem today. That's, so, that's a lot of the reason we don't see a great move of God. They're looking back. We're teaching all of our young ones to look back to that. They don't need to look back. Do you know what looking back means? 
That's one of the unclean spirits in Moses' day. Which was a frog. And they always looking back. Always looking back for somebody to sneak up on them. And then they'll just move and move and move and move. It's an unclean spirit. That's why Brother Bam said, don't, don't, he said, people's looking too much in the rear view mirror, looking back for what you, back there, what you had. What we got today is better than what we had back there. I still got what I had back there, but I'm building on what I had back there to make it better today. I didn't stop back there. I want what I had back there and what I get today. I remember shouting so much one time for 45 minutes. I, I, I think about that often, shouting and just shout. I wouldn't take nothing for that experience. But I don't live and, and stay on that experience. I know that there's more today. And that's what we're doing. We're seeing so much back there. Man, me and Tim Mickle was praying one night. He had his hand on me and I had his hand on him. We was praying in one service and a bolt of lightning come through and hit me and him. I mean, it knocked me and him both out cold. And we was laying on the both. Me and him both was laying on the pulpit. <laughs> I don't know how long we laid there. I wouldn't take nothing for that experience. You say, well, I don't believe in that. That's okay. I don't care if you don't. I really don't care if anybody. I don't believe my wife Karen believes it or not. You know why? Because that boat hit me, not y'all. That's Tim Mickle. He was there. I mean, it was like it. I can't explain it. I don't know what happened. I just know it hit me like a brick and it knocked me out. And he was laying here and I was laying there, they said. And I don't know how long it was, minutes or however how long we finally woke up and got up. I can't explain it, but I was there. I'm the one that happened to it. I know it was real. I wouldn't take nothing for it, but give me that life for today and build upon that and look what it'll do. It'll actually change my body. It'll take its own robe off and change my body. Hallelujah. I want to look beyond and see what's in store for me. Notice in Revelation 10, 8, John said, the voice which I heard spake unto me again. Now watch him. I'm going to try to close. Oh, good Lord, it's early yet. John said, the voice that I heard spoke unto me again. So now this is something that's happening after Verse 7. So you mean to tell me it wasn't over in verse 7? No. 
You mean to tell me it wasn't over in verse 7? <laughs> you mean to tell me in verse 8 something's happened? He said the voice spoke to me again in verse 8. And the church says? John said the voice spoke to me again. Thou must prophesy to utter forth, to declare something that can only be known by divine revelation. That's what that means. In other words, verse 8, verse 7 says, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, the, uh, uh, the mysteries and all should be finished. I'm not doubting that one bit. It had its part. It played its part. It was a part of the revelation for the hour. We have to have it. Don't ever do away with it. That's why so many people's leaving now. They've done away with it because they didn't understand it. But there was a verse 8. I wonder why it's verse 8. It's a new day. Leviticus says the eighth day going back into the first day, which is a new day. It just so happened to be Revelation 8. And the voice that I heard spake to me again and said, Thou must prophesy, thou must utter forth, thou must declare something that can only be known by divine revelation. Something that can be known by divine utterance from God himself. And God fulfilled it. Now John, as a, as a, as a part of the bride, we know him to play that type. Now, John is actually being asked. Listen to what he's asking now. What's being asked of John? John is now asked to be partakers in this verse 8. Most of the time here in Revelations, John's just seeing visions. He's watching the visions of Revelation that's unfolding to him. Is that right? God's revealing this, these great mysteries to him. He's seeing all this. But now, John is being asked. To interact with it. So he's not going to be just a spectator. John's not going to sit there and spectate now. He's been being a spectator because he's seeing all these things. Oh, he's so wound up. I can imagine what he's going through. But all of a sudden, he spoke to me and said, Now, John, I want you to prophesy. I want you to declare. I want you to utter this thing that only God by divine revelation can give. And now he begins to speak through John. And John, he says, I want you to be partakers of it. Don't you sit around and be a spectator. That's what happens all the time. We have so many spectators in the world. I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be in the middle of it. He's revealing something to John. We have so many spectators now. Just don't sit around. Don't teach our young people just to sit around and let somebody else do it. Let them become a part of it. So now John is going to have to act upon what the voice is saying. Oh, I hope the people can see it. And that's the very thing that's wrong now. There are so many spectators around the message waiting for Brother Brown to come do something. Well, I'm just going to let somebody else come do it. 
I'm just, I'm just going to let somebody else sing. I just don't really want to sing. You know, I, I'm just going to let somebody else do my part. It's because you're just a spectator. Well, I'm just going to let, I'm going to let somebody else just clean the church for a while. I'm just throwing things out there. I don't know who cleans the church and sings. I don't really know. But this is what people do. When I, go, I used to go to a lot of uh, uh, the, the, the Bristol up here to have these big things because I like to build 69 Camaros. Had a few of them and loved to build them. So I'd go buy parts. And while I was there, I'd watch these races. Guess what? I was just a spectator. I'd have to sit up there and watch all these other people do all this fun stuff. I wanted so bad to be driving that car. It ain't no fun. I, I don't understand how people can go to NASCAR. I'm not down. I'm, I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm just saying, who wants to watch a car go around and around to the left for three or four hours? That don't make no sense to me. Somebody take a right turn. Make it interesting. I ain't never understood that. You know, go around and around. They're always going to the left unless they're up here bristle. Then they're doing all this, you know. But they're all doing this. That's not my forte. I could care less. But put me in one to go 300 mile an hour in a quarter of a mile, and that is exciting. Well, it would used to be exciting for me. I'm too old for that now. I went to ride. I went and rode in a Tesla the other day. No, I'm not buying one. But I have never, and I've sat in a lot of fast cars because I was brought up when you had all them road runners and them GTOs and Camaros and Mustangs. We've had them all our life. We'd sit in a yard. You know how we'd build them under the trees? Y'all don't know about all that stuff, do you? So I went and a buddy of mine bought one. He said, come on, let's take a ride. His wife told me, he said, won't you get that thing take a ride? I says, oh, I, uh, that's fine with me. I, I'd like to see what it's like. So I get in the seat and sit there. He gets over and the guy works for me, he gets in the back seat. It's got a TV screen about this big in the middle. It's crazy. And I thought, you know, and his wife told me, said, Tim, don't let him floor it now. I said, oh, man, that's an electric car. I, I can outrun that thing. I ride an electric bicycle now. I know what I'm getting on. I done got so I can't even pedal no more, boy. I come home this week, my wife said, look, I bought you something. I said, what? She said, electric bike. I said, that's a bad thing or a good thing. I don't know what you're telling me. And I get in the car and I sit in the car and he, I said, you going to crank it up? He said, oh, it's running. He said, put your seatbelt on. So I put the seatbelt on. Corey put the seatbelt on. So I'm just sitting there and he pulls out, Brother Harry, and he backs up and he just pulls, he backs out of this parking place where we was at at this shop. He backs out. And he just pulls out, and there wasn't a car behind us. And we on Main Street in Anderson, four lanes. And he just sat there a second, and I thought, well, you ain't going to go? <laughs> oh, my God, did he go. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, friends, if I hadn't have been in there, I'd have never believed it. It set me back in the seat. The buddy of mine was in the back seat, and then he went about a I mean, he probably went an eighth of a mile and he let off. At this point, I'm sick as a dog. 
I don't know. It done something to my equilibrium. I what you call that. It done something. And I'm sitting there. When he got into it about a good, almost an eighth, I done closed my eyes and I'm sitting there. Please, Lord, let him stop. Please, God, let him stop. Please. But I didn't have the nerve to tell him and show him I'm a big baby. And he got up to the red line and he had to stop. And he stopped and I said, and I done prayed, God, don't let him do that again. <laughs> to myself. And I'm watching the light. And the light changes and nobody's in front of us and he hits it again. I go back in the seat. He does it three times. By this time, I'm done. Of course, I wasn't going to tell him because he was going to make fun of me. So we come all the way around, rode through, looked at all the Google Maps, showed me what all it'll do and all this stuff. I mean, it's amazing what they'll do. We go back and he gets out and I said, well, I, hey man, I appreciate that. I got to go home. <laughs> I got about five minutes from home. I called my buddy that was with me. I said, are you okay? <laughs> he said, Tim, I'm so sick right now. I said, me too. I didn't know if it was just me. Me and him was on the verge of throwing up. I went home, it was Wednesday, and I had to go preach that night. I was sick as a dog. I went home, went to bed, Lane and I said, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm sick as a dog. She said, what'd you do? I said, I rode in a Tesla a while ago. <laughs> she said, ain't that an electric car? I said, yeah, but it ain't one like you ever rode in. <laughs> it was that S model. That thing is so feisty, it's pathetic. He outrun a Charger and a GT Mustang with a battery. I go back in last week and I walk in and he said, uh, are you all right? I didn't know you got sick. I said, well, how'd you know it? He said, your buddy called me. <laughs> he said, you want to go for a ride? I said, if you'll let me drive. Because I tell you, I'm going to put you in there and I'm going to floor it three times and let you see what it's like on that other side. But I don't want to be a spectator. I didn't like sitting in the, in the passenger seat. Anywhere I go, I want to drive because I want to be involved with everything. Amen. And we have so many spectators now. Sitting on the sideline just waiting for somebody to do this and somebody to do this and somebody else to do this. Get involved! Well, I'll let somebody else pray today. I don't really feel like clapping today. I'm just, I don't feel like really standing up today. My legs is hurting. I didn't feel like coming up here and preaching today neither, but I came. Not that I didn't want to. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I hurt my back last Saturday and had to go to all these, these treatments last week and get all these adjustments just to get me through the week and then had to work from 7 o'clock to 7 o'clock again last night. I'm tired. I was up and down scaffolds all day, 12 hours yesterday. I told my wife, I said, I shouldn't have done this today. I got to be up all night studying, then I got to drive all day tomorrow and get back tomorrow. But I'm the, I'm the kind of person that can't be a spectator. I just can't be a spectator. I want to be involved with whatever it is, especially if it's good. That's what I'm talking about, not bad. I want to get in there and clap with people and pray with people, sing with people, shout with people, worship with people. 
play the music with people. I want to be involved with it. And I know everybody ain't that part, but God put somebody in the church just to clap. I'm glad John wasn't like a lot of people, aren't you? I'm glad John wasn't like a lot of people were just wanting to be a spectator. But John said, I ain't going to be just a spectator now. I'm going to get involved. Notice the day we're living is a close. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel. And then verse 8 says, It shall be declared again. You and I are carriers of that seed. You and I are carriers of that seed of God. Young people are carriers of that true seed of God into the schools, into the places they go. Carriers of the true seed in the workplaces. Oh, Happy Valley, we've got so much to be thankful for. Don't be a spectator. Verse 8, And he said unto me again, and declared unto me again, that something else has to come. There's got to be a... And I know there's not another voice as far as an angel coming or a prophet coming. We understand that. We realize that. We're not even teaching that. We're no near, near that. But there's something coming that's going to give me and you something that will actually change this body. Can you imagine having so much power and authority that you change every cell? And you step out of this and put on another robe. And you partakers of it. Oh. Notice, Abraham knew the promise was coming. He knew, he says, the promise is mine. He knew it. He tells them, he says, if you can find five, will you spare it? And he's thinking of Lot and his family. He's wanting to get all the people that he can in. And he starts at 30 and 20 and 10 and all and so on and so on. He comes down to five. Because he's so hungry to get all he can in. If there's one person that's thirsty and you meet with them. One person that is thirsty. You may be the only one that can give them some drink. You may be the only one that can give them something. If their life is in turmoil and shambles, you may be the only one that can help put them on the straight and narrow. If there's one person that you get around work, school, wherever it is, and they, they're in such a turmoil and don't know where to turn, you could be the one person. That's why it puts us in heed to be so sensitive to the Spirit of God. You could be that one that could bring help to that one. That's what you're here for.
It ain't me and nobody else, friends. It ain't just Happy Valley and nobody else. It's Happy Valley and the body of Christ scattered abroad this earth, wherever they may be. Do not stay in the past. I think I've told you before about the my pillar guy. And the reason I use him a lot, because he, he's an inspiration. He may not be a part of the message, but he's an inspiration. And I think about him all the time. As, as a matter of fact, ever since I preached that up here, what, six, seven, eight months ago, me and Brother Andrew Glover, me and him text all the time about my pillow. He texts me like he's last week just laughing, LOL, you got some my coffee yet? I said, nope, because I don't drink coffee. So we cut up about that all the time. And I think about that guy who was a drug addict, a drunk. He was nothing, nobody, living on the streets, living, putting needles in his arm. But he had one, just something with inside of him. He wanted to get out of that. And he's a self-made billionaire probably by now. By making a pillow for you to lay your head on. But why? Something was in him. He didn't dwell on the past. Now what if he had dwelled on the past? I was this and I'm just an old drunk and I'm just an old druggie and I'm just an old, I'm just this. Ain't no sense me trying anymore. If he'd have done that, I would not have my pillow to sleep on every night. I got two of them. I'm going to text him. He needs to have me a page advertisement telling him I preach this in all the churches I go into. I wouldn't have my slippers. But something so inspired him that he only, he's got a multi-million dollar business that, and he gives back to the community. And everybody he hires is drug addicts and drunks and homeless people because he gives them a chance when nobody else would. And when nobody else would give you a chance, I know a man called Jesus Christ. He ain't Mike Lindell. He's good on the natural side, but he may not be too good on the spiritual side because he claims to be Christian. And if he's believed that Jesus Christ died for him and lives the best that he can, guess what? He'll be there. Y'all may not believe that, but Tim Burnett does. I used to be very bad about putting people out when I first started preaching because I was brought up that way in the message. Nobody had it. Nobody was going except for me. But I come to the knowledge about 10, 12 years ago, some hit me on the head and said, quit preaching that nonsense. Quit giving people. Don't, you, you ain't giving people chances enough. And I started to turn that around because the heaven's going to be full of millions of people. Not just y'all message people. Now, I believe we're the bride. But there's going to be millions of other ones there too. I'm glad of it. I want heaven to be full. I, don't want, I want everybody to be there. Don't live in the past. Don't stay back there. I'm no good. I'm not. I just, I just can't make. There's one that can help. Amen. 
There's several hundred in here today. Because that's what you for. Is to show Jesus Christ and him crucified. He that believeth on me. If any man thirst, let him come to me. He that believeth on me. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of his belly. Oh, friends, I believe in the tapes and I believe in the books. I believe in reading. I believe in listening. But I sure do believe in... I sure do believe in this. Look pretty funny with a bunch of tapes on the pews and a bunch of books on the pews, wouldn't it? I love it when there's human beings in the seats. The tapes can't jump. The tapes can't play by themselves. The tapes can't sing. The cake can't, they can't do nothing. Just sit there. Unless I hit it. But ain't nothing like a church full of people that sings and worships and praises and amens and hollers and screams and shouts and runs. And all this ain't nothing like it. Everybody stand up and give him a good hand clap of praise. Would you do that today? So where do they come? They come to you. I need this. Can you help me? Can you pray with me? What are they doing when they call you and ask you to pray? They're asking you. They're, can, do you realize what it really means for someone to say, hey, man, I need prayer. They're asking, Brother Joel. They're placing something in your care that's so vital. That's so important. Think of that. They place a trust in you when they ask for prayer. Oh, brother, that's a trust. You know why they do that? Because they see something in you. And they know you more than likely have the Holy Ghost. They go to church with you. You've been around them all night. So they know you. They know your life. They, they, they see you every week. They know you're a Christian. You live the best you can. They say, I'm going to ask Brother Joel. I'm going to ask this brother. I'm going to ask this brother. I'm going to call this sister. Why? They see something in you. Listen, friends, I believe in the message of the hour. I believe it's the greatest message that ever come to this earth. I don't believe nothing outside of Jesus Christ himself that's ever come to this earth was any power than William Branham stepping up on this earth. So they've come too late to tell me they believe William Branham was a prophet more than Tim Burdett. No. But I've prayed and asked God, please never let me get him out of his position. Let me keep him in his position. Because if I keep him in his position, God keeps me in my position. So I believe the message. Don't tell me I don't believe the message. Because I took the, I remodeled and took the two pictures down that I had there. Because I remodeled and I moved them around. Well, I knew he wasn't in the message. He took his picture down. When in the world has a picture got to do with me being the son of God? actually went in another man's church and preached that I had left the message because I took two pictures down. When does that have to do with me being a child of the king? 
You see what we've done? We won't move beyond the past. You've got to. If you're going in a rapture, you've got to. You're not leaving the message. You're not leaving, Brother Branham. You're bringing that up with you to the revelation of this hour. And the church says, give him a good hand clap of praise. Somebody say praise the Lord. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say I'm moving. Who does the songs? There's a song in there called Moving Time. Send G, Brother Harry. Man, it's hard to get used to y'all's. His mind's so different. I don't know what's what. Where's number one at? Okay, so, I don't, what's the other one over there? Let's go to the chorus right there. There you go. You love him? Yeah. Ain't he good? Yeah. It's been good to be in church today, ain't it? Yeah. My last time in this church, I'm going to make it count. I may come by here one time when the other church gets here and tell them, you think I could preach? <laughs> Do you believe it's moving time? Yeah. You've got to be moving, friends. Amen. If you feel like worshiping, worship. If somebody else wants to be a spectator, let them be a spectator. Don't down them. That's okay. Just look at them and grin. Well, it's moving time. Is that G-M-I-G? It's moving time. Church, if you ever gone, move, it's moving time. Well, to the bride there came a shout. The message came to lead her out. If you ever gone, move, it's moving time. Well, the prophet came in this day with the reveal.
of God said, he said, you are, and he's preaching there to Branham Tabernacle. He said, you are his victory. He said, you are, listen to those words, you are his victory. So he's placed that in you. You have become his victory. Glory to God. I'm not just a nobody. I may be a nobody to the world, but in God's eyes, I'm not just a nobody. I'm his victory. You're his victory. Oh, what a day that's going to be when we get there. Goodness. Can you imagine? There's no way human mind, there's not even a language in the humanity that can explain what we're going to see and feel and be a partakers of. The power of God as we walk around heaven. Can you imagine just the thought, Brother Brown said, you'll think and you'll be there. Just the thought. Just like that. Well, I think I'll go see old Brother Harry and you're there. Hundreds of miles from you. But I said, you're going to move just like that. We can't even fathom what this is going to be like, friends. Our minds are so small. Oh, but God's got something in store for you. God's got a, he's got a great big old life after this one for you. Aren't you glad to be a partakers? 
Well, John, ain't you glad to be a part of that, buddy? It's been good, buddy. Getting better. I appreciate you. Love you. Thank you for having me. Good Lord's willing, I'll see you at the other place. I've been hitting around somebody take me over today. I ain't got to see it yet. Oh, but it's going to be wonderful when we get over there, ain't it? Amen. Brother Louis, it's going to be so good. Me and you are going to sing all over heaven, ain't we? We're going to shout together. It's going to be something, friends. Why would you not want to go? Don't miss the rapture. Whatever you do in life, it's not worth missing the rapture. It should be the first thing in your life. Because if you're left here and you come up in the other resurrection, judgment lays there. You don't want to be there. I know you don't want to be there. Get all you can out of that. Get them into you. Which is Christ. Christ in Christ in the hope. <laughs> is that true? Appreciate you. Love you. You're some good people, man. Good people. God's willing. If I don't see you on this side again, I'll see you on the other side. The rapture takes place between now and then. We'll shout on that side. You love him? God bless you, saints. Let's sing this song, Brother Joel Brown, just before we leave today. Now, we get to have service here Wednesday night. So remember that we've got about, what, maybe six, seven more services here at this place, and we'll go somewhere else. Wherever we go, you better be there. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But let's, say, let's have Brother Joel sing this just before we leave today. Have you enjoyed, church? Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. Let's sing with our brother today. If, if you want to know where I'm going, where I'm going. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. If anybody asks you,
breeze I have comfort in 